a house civis broadcasting. My name's Alufi Haskell de Civis. Today is the 6th of Volt 997YK. And today we've got a rather special episode. We in the studio have been calling it Alufi's Variety Show. So it's definitely going to be a strange one. We're going to do some news. We're going to have a few Alufi's Advice Corner questions as well as a few different things that we haven't seen before. I'm going to be joined by a wonderful author here in the booth, as well as our good friend, Monte Cook Darwin. So pull up a stool and listen to today's Chronicle of Echoes. Our first bit of news, as always, comes from the Sharn Inquisitive. Uh, this bit comes from Fairhaven, particularly, where the Hilliark family is going through some very distressing times. Now, many people who are familiar with Ondarian society uh, will know that the Hilliark family has seen uh, a tremendous amount of misfortune from one of the members being killed in a tragic shipping accident, uh, the halting of a uh, bridge built and financed by the Hilliark family, supposed to be a gift to the Ondarian crown. Well, now, all of that is kind of wrapped up with a bow. The young Countess Kerlik Ear Hilliark disappeared on the day of her wedding. Her father, Jaren Ear Hilliark, pleaded for more information about his daughter's whereabouts, stating that she was very excited about the wedding and this is not a case of cold feet. Many believe that because Krillik attended Morgrave University in Sharn and has many friends still living in the city, that she may have traveled here to Brayland. Vandrich de Orion, Irhilyark's fiancé, has promised House Orion's assistance in making sure that his bride is found safe. Also missing from the Hilyark compound are Nendra Boshain, a Hilyark family servant, and Macham Torasoud, Kerlik's bodyguard. Well, this is a very interesting one, if I have to say so myself. An escaped bride? If she was looking forward to everything, then why would she have run away? Was she kidnapped? Why was the servant and the bodyguard? Are they ransoming her off? Did she actually intend to leave? Oh, there's a lot of intrigue here, and I can't wait until we get more information. Is Kerlik safe? Is she running off with someone else? <gasps> her bodyguard? Oh my goodness, this is getting saucy. I suppose I should move on to the next bit of news, huh? <laughs> Two days ago, a flaming goat was seen slowly sauntering up Jubilation Avenue in Maishan Gardens, 
of the lower central plateau. The goat was indeed literally on fire, though it did not seem to be in any distress. Eyewitnesses say it evaded all attempts at capture and rummaged through many trash and rubbish piles, chewing on any discarded metal and wood. The goat is still at large, and House Vidalis says that they are on the case. They have also stated that there are no official records of a combustible goat in their research facility. If you see this goat, please reach out to your local watch and do not provoke the goat. That's kind of a weird one, wouldn't you say, Meeps? I just randomly goat goats on fire. Goats on fire. Only you only get it in Sharn, that's for sure. And now from goats to good ideas, it's time for a Luffy's advice corner. Our first question is, oh goodness, this is quite adorable. It looks like it's been written in chalk. My mama says I can write this myself because I am big. Miss Luffy, what do you do if someone keeps pulling your hair? My mama helps me make braids every day and then I go to school and this person, mama says I cannot say who, keeps pulling my braids. What do I do to make them stop? Well, little one, first and foremost, when somebody pulls on your braids, it doesn't matter who, that is not something very nice for them to do. And it doesn't matter if they are intending to be your friend, you shouldn't stand for that. Those are your braids, and it hurts when they get pulled on. So, in times like that, I like to employ Karn's Law. Karn's Law states, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. So if they pull on your braids, then you should pull on theirs. If they don't have any braids, well, a swift punch to the jaw and then a quick kick to the shins should suffice. This will prove that you are uh, dominant in this relationship and to never ever pull your braids again. Let's go ahead and move on to the next one. I am trying to convince a friend of mine to move to Sharn, but they have reservations about it because they are a tiefling. What can I do to convince them that the City of Towers is far more progressive than most and they will be safe? Well, as safe as any other civilian. Signed, Anonymous. Hmm. Well, that is a very good question. Sharn is filled with just about every type of person. Big, small, even persons that used to not be persons. And I think that tieflings would be welcome here. More than likely, your friend might only be able to find a home in Malian's Gate. But Malian's Gate is still a beautiful place to live. Yes, it's in a lower district. And yes, it's often seen as a horrible place overrun by the dusk. But the people of Sharn understand and know that it's not where someone comes from or the form that they take. It's instead the actions that they make that proves their worth in this wonderful city. There are plant tenders in many of the upper districts in the gardens and the parks that are definitely not your usual Korovar or human or elf or gnome or halfling or any of those things that most people see as quote-unquote normal. Sharn is a wonderful place. 
And no matter who you are, you will always face some form of adversity. But there's always a place in Sharn for anybody who needs it. Let's see about our next ask. Dear Aloofy, I have the perfect Aloofy's Advice Corner question. What would you like as a souvenir from my trip? Silas DeCivis. Oh my goodness, what a silly man. Um, well, it would help if I knew where you were, Silas. I'm assuming that he's having one of our subscribes actually send this to him. Hmm. Ooh, I heard that in some places, some resorts, hotels, stuff like that, uh, particularly House Galanda, they take tankards and they will emboss the tankards with infor- like information like where it is, like a, a scenery picture or like I heart Fairhaven, stuff like that. Uh, I think that something like that would be a really cute collection to my uh, cups at home. Thank you so much, Silas, for the potential gift. I'm looking forward to it, actually. At any rate, it's time to listen to this week's sponsor. Power. Regal. Adventure. A weapon says a lot about a person. What does yours say about you? Do you run with an average canneth longsword swinging it valiantly as you run into battle? Or does your weapon have a little bit more to it? Have you come across some ancient glaive deep within a temple? Words carved in it and you're unsure of what to do. We're here to help. Come to Weapons of Legacy. We will take the time to review every scrap of information on the weapon that you've brought to us. We will give you clear answers for the first time as to exactly what you're dealing with. We will give you the storied history of your piece of equipment. But what if your equipment isn't storied? What if your equipment's run of the mill? Well then let us make your exploits important. We will give your weapon a name, a history, power, and most of all, a legacy. Let's say you're a dwarf with a storied past and you'd like to connect it back to your clan. Your clan used a war axe, but you're using a war hammer. We can adjust things accordingly and make sure that from this point forward, everyone will remember that war hammer. So please, come to Weapons of Legacy. Let us build you a past worth fighting for. What an interesting product to be selling. Well, let's move on to our first guest of this evening, the one, the only, Monte Cook Darwin. Monte! It's very nice to see you. Hello, Luffy. It's a, uh, it's a uh, great to be back, Luffy. Is your first returning guest, or was that Kevin bloke still here? It was technically Kevin. Okay. So, uh, Monty, what do you have for us today? Well, uh, firstly, to continue with tradition, I brought to you a little gift. Oh. Uh, it is called Dravago Drought. Uh, it is a alcoholic beverage that the anthropology department at the Walgrave University discovered on Zendrick. It was uh, made by the giants themselves tens of thousands of years ago, and we recently discovered uh, the recipe again. Uh, it's made from long corn. If you'd like, I could go ahead and pour you a glass. And 
I mean, if would... if uh, Silas is allowed to drink on air, I'll have a nip too, I suppose. Right. Oh, that is... It comes out thick. It's a bit thick. Uh, it is clear, though, um, for your listeners. Again, it's made from long corn. Uh, yeah, this is clear, like water, but like I said, it's slightly more viscous. We believe because the long corn decomposes at a slower rate than normal corn. So it's used well in the eternal rations that you'll find in Zendrick. Interesting. Uh, it's, I mean, very strong. Uh, <laughs> stronger than a lot of the alcohols that I, I have had previously. But, uh, who? Um, it almost tastes just straight of alcohol. There's a slight, there's a floral hint, kind of like a, like a a lavender. lavender. Yes. Exactly. Thank you so, so much, Cook. What little creature did you bring in for us today? Um, uh, but before we begin, I would like to address a recent letter sent in to you by our esteemed colleagues at the Library of Korenberg. I said some pretty hurtful things in the letter, and yes, we did take into consideration some of the corrections. But when it comes to things about Zendrick, we'd like to think of ourselves as the experts in that situation, considering that we fund the majority of all of the exploration into the continent. So, this week, I will be sticking to Zendrick, something that I personally consider myself a bit of an expert in, at least from the fauna. So what is this little creature? Uh, so this is a Tilzen bird. Uh, it is kind of like a hummingbird. It's, this one here in particular is a bit of a teal specimen. Uh-huh. It's, I said, very small. Tilzen bird is very nimble and very acrobatic. Uh, it feeds on the magical plants of Zendrik that gives it uh, its ability to move very quickly. Faster than your average hummingbird here in Corvair. Because of how fast it's moving, it does have an unnatural metabolism to where it's having to constantly eat all the time. Every now and then when it does get up and go, it moves. The Telson bed itself, again, it's a nice teal color. Uh, the blood of it is actually sought after by House Kaneth. Uh, the blood itself is used in haste potions and generally having one fetches you quite a pretty penny. I believe the going rate with uh, House Kenneth is 100 Galifars each. Uh, when we oh. happen to have a breeding pair at the Moorgrave University's menagerie. Do you uh, keep them or, or do you sell them to House Kenneth? Ideally we would like to keep them but uh, maybe some of our more less than ethical colleagues have been known to sneak them off to Kenneth and they usually get dealt with pretty swiftly. No pun intended there. I do notice that this one is, uh, and it's sitting here on my hand, and uh, we've got a little cup on the table, mm-hmm. and that's uh, nectar. Yes, uh, actually, if you um, go ahead and set it down, it should go ahead and take off and make its way over to the nectar. And then as you can see, it's feeding. It does have a longer than average tongue because of just how... The plants in Zendrick tend to get quite large, so it does need to go down further into the plant than what hummingbirds here in Corvair would have to deal with. What a little cutie. Man, it, it would be so fun to, to keep one of these little guys, wouldn't it? Perhaps, uh, 
mowing soilless might not be such a good idea, but uh, what are the issues that we have been? Just because of how much money House Caneth is giving for them, they have been kind of hunted towards almost extinction around Stormreach, but there are obviously plenty more around Zindric, but obviously it being Zindric, traveling around can be uh, quite challenging. Almost like there's a curse on the place or something. Thank you so much for showing me this little Tilzen bird, and I hope that this uh, does inform all of our listeners that just because House Caneth pays for something doesn't mean that ethically you should sell it to House Caneth. These birds could easily go entirely instinct, and then we wouldn't have such a wonderful, adorable creature on Eberron anymore. Uh, that, that is right, Luffy. Uh, that is something that... Um... Everybody should be thinking about I wouldn't speak too harshly against House Caneth, but obviously there is something to be done. It's everyone's duty to preserve the natural beauty of Eberron as it is. So I thank you one, one last time, Monte Cook Darwin, and I hope that you have a, a wonderful day. Uh, as always, Alifi, it is my pleasure being here. After our intermission, we're going to be speaking with a wonderful author, and I've got a fun new segment we might start doing from here on out. today's echo i would just like to remind everyone to go ahead and speak to that subscribe drop a comment if you'd like into our comment box and draw us little hearts thumbs ups stuff like that and of course we do indeed still have that patreon account with house kunderak where you can support the echoers i'd like to take a quick moment to honor the handful of wonderful folk who have already decided to become patrons of the Echoer system. Steve, Logan, Sunshadow, Cody, Chloe, Jared, Joshua, Patrick, Jesse, and Manitota. Thank you all so much for supporting us, and I hope that so many more will. Of course, <laughs> just by listening, you're already supporting us, so thank you. So now we're going to move on to something just a little bit different. This was suggested to me by a handful of people, and I think that it would be rather fun. As we all know, the moon that we're born under shapes who we are as people. And sometimes, if you look at the way the moons are configured at the beginning of each month, each night, each week, what have you, it can tell you a little bit about how 
your time is going to be. That's right, we're talking about horoscopes. So horoscopes for this month. Let me start by saying happy birthday to all of the children of Volt. Your fortunes look like they're going to grow over the course of this month. You're going to find new romantic companionship or a rekindled old flame. Nims will find themselves rather lonely this month, but never fear. This is a particularly good time to look within for self-reflection. The children of Dravago are likely to see good fortune this month, particularly where family is concerned. Therindor are more likely to find good company, perhaps in the form of a new friend or acquaintance. Zerantir will find inner peace this month, as whatever is causing you stress will be resolved. Kind of a calming of that storm within you, I suppose. Sifiros born will see an increase in spending money this month, as your savings from previous months will have paid off. Ron's scholarly types might want to reacquaint themselves with an old friend, who you may have to lean on this month for support. Olaroon, keep your eye on your good friends and your close acquaintances. They're likely to be in need this month, and assisting them will put you in a fortunate position. Children of Ear, creativity is like to dry up, and you should be on the lookout for a new muse or new inspiration. Aerith Born will want to stay away from the path less traveled this month, as something unfortunate may happen if you don't. Larvian may find something that seems to be good fortune, a lost item of great use to you. Be sure to return it to the owner personally for a favorable outcome, lest bad luck strikes you. Barakis, you're going to run into an old friend, or get word from someone rather far away. You should take this time to reach out and strengthen the bonds you have there. Well, there you go, everyone. I hope that that gives you a little better insight into how your month is going to go. All right, I am happy to announce our next guest, Step R. Collins, the author of the most amazing novel series, The Dreaming Dark Knight. He's going to be speaking with us about the newest installment, book four, The Planar Prince. Sir Collins, I am so excited to be meeting with you. This is genuinely uh, an honor, and I, I'm so happy that we're, we're going to be talking about your book. It is always a delight to meet fans, and I'm excited to be here as well. I'm a little uncomfortable. The seat's a bit small, I thought we talked about getting me a bigger seat for this, and I do notice that this appears to be roughly a thimble full of alcohol as opposed to a glass, but it'll have to do. Well, thank you. Um, we do understand the new studio was built specifically for larger uh, folk in mind. However, we can't always reach all of the demands of our guests. Meeps, would you, would you mind giving me a light? Oh, um, there's no smoking in here. I'm your favorite author, and unfortunately, the chair was wrong, glass is wrong. The least you could do is allow me to just partake for a moment. The cigar makes me feel a little better as I talk. It gives me something to do with my hands. It's part of the inspiration process for me. Uh, it's okay that you have it. I just don't think that um, it would be all right if it was... If you will. See? And look at that. <laughs> much, much better. <coughs> Ahem. 
preferably not into the um the singer device. I will do my best. Thank you. Um <clears throat> what gave you the idea of the Dreaming Dark Knight series to begin with? Well, I had a dream. In it I found myself as Daniel. And I followed the thread of that dream further and further and further, and it unfolded before me as I slept. Then the Dreaming Dark Knight series unfolded for me and became all that it is. I I see. That's definitely very interesting. So did all of the characters come to you in, in a dream? Uh, Silva and F- Fontina? For example? For the most part, they did come from there. Little inspirations find me all the time. That's why I keep this journal with me everywhere I go. As I make my way through the world, sometimes small things can inspire so much. And then I'd write them down immediately. Silver's actually based mostly on a waitress that served me once. Do you remember where or what her name is? Oh, God, no. Absolutely terrible waitress. Oh. Okay. So there is a lot of discourse in your uh, fandom right now as to the choices that Daniel made at the end of the last book. How do you feel about that discourse in your fan base? I love my fan base. I love people like you, and I cannot stress enough how important it is that you continue to enjoy my work for what it is and stop assuming things. You're not Daniel. Daniel is me. He's a part of me, and any assumption that you have that Daniel's made the wrong choices is entirely wrong. If I said to you that Daniel decided to choose Silver because of, let's say, some deep-seated hatred of his mother that, that Fontina reminded him of, so that Fontina somehow had small semblances of his mother, and that's why Fontina was never an option, you aren't aware of that because... You aren't Daniel. What's the point of having that contention if you do not include it in the text? Well, the text comes to me in bits and pieces. I don't get to choose all of it. Perhaps that's outlined immediately in the next book. You see, Aluthi, the thing you don't understand about writing is that it's not for you. It's an outlet for me. You get a peek into my world, a peek into what I've created. If I decide that Daniel no longer cares about Silva or Fontina and decides that he's going to chase down Agamemnon instead, I can do that. They're my playthings. Enjoy the story as it's told, not these little creations you have within your head about what should be done. Okay. Did, did you enjoy the first book? I, I did enjoy the first book. Did you enjoy the second I, I did enjoy the second book. And the third? I felt that it ended incorrectly. And now the fourth has arrived, and you feel? Uh, I have not yet finished it. I, I am about halfway through. I am I'm noticing that you have pulled on some threads from, from previous books. Uh, however, I thought that other things would be, be coming up uh, in this book, uh, specifically because you had... Uh, labeled this as the the planar prince. Uh, so I had figured that Daniel's Azamar companion would be coming up, or or uh, the Kalishtar that uh, he saved from from bullying at Reckonmark Academy would uh, because appear. Because you're missing the subtext. The planar prince clearly is about Daniel. 
I think that it would be a wonderful treat if you read part of the first chapter of the book uh, on air. If you, if you wouldn't mind, I do... Uh... The Plano Prince. Chapter 1. Daniel. His bright eyes shining in the morning sun stretched as he sat up on his cot. The events of the last year a hazy memory in the golden sunlight. He swung his legs over the edge and jumped as they touched the cold stone floor. He began his morning routine. He dressed in the traditional blue robes of Arcanics. Now, unfazed by the intricate straps, it wasn't until he reached for the blade he expected to be leaning against his dresser that he took pause. His hand clenched of its own will. Frowning, he wrapped the hand in a bandage, hiding the mark on it. Now wasn't the time to deal with prophecies and destiny. He had to confess to the woman he loved. Actually, I'm going to end it there, because I'm not going to give away free sections of my book beyond that. I, I don't think that that would be appropriate. If you would like it, it is available at all booksellers in shop. Of course, I, I had only figured that perhaps uh, give, giving people a taste of uh, of the book would um, make them want to read it more, I, I suppose. I, I apologize if that was but, but presumptuous. But do, do restaurants give tastes of food before you eat the meal? Y yes. No, they give a bread. They give a bread. They let a bread sit out and then you ingest that. I, my, my, my book is better than bread. Of course it is. Yes. Um. Well, uh, I, I thank you so much for joining us. I'd like to thank everyone for listening in today. And I hope every single one of you has a wonderful far. Thank you again to both of our guests and to our sponsor. Remember, everybody, keep an ear out for those echoes of hope.